Hello, it's me, Corey. Just wanted to make mention of a quick correction. During this episode, there was a date that was stated incorrectly. The eruption of Mount Vesuvius, specifically the eruption that resulted in the buried Roman settlements of Pompeii. It happened in 79 AD, not 79 BC. So yeah, now you know. Enjoy the show. Look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Card Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And I'm Brian. And this is a crossover episode. What is this? A crossover episode? Yeah. Depending on where you're listening from, this is either the Art History Babes podcast or it's the Happy Harvest Horror Show podcast. And we have no idea. That's the fun part. Also, it sounded like there was a creaking door in that pause, and that was very perfect. I heard that, too. I heard Did that, anyone too. anyone else? Mm-hmm. Who creaked? I, I think <laughs> I creaked. Maybe. <laughs> it wasn't I. It was not I. It's that spooky time of year, so. Yeah, yeah. It's a, just a general creak from the universe, because it's October 1st. Yeah, we're we're here. We're doing a crossover. Everyone loves a crossover. I always think of with crossovers, I always think of like 90 sitcoms. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. Mr. Peanut Butter. Is that Bojack Horseman? Oh, geez, here we go. Mr. Peanut Butter and Bojack Horseman in the same room. What is this? A crossover episode? What is this? A crossover episode? There you go. (laughs) I've watched that show too much. (laughs) So we're doing a crossover. And it's also I'm just very, very excited. Like this is a just happy moment for me, not only because um, I'm on both of these podcasts. (laughs) 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 Corey's a Leo rising. Because this is just one of my absolute favorite, favorite things in the entire world is when friendship circles collide, when like Mm -hmm. friends from one group and friends from another group come together. And we're doing that right now for the first time on this episode, friends meeting friends, and we're going to talk about spooky things. And it's just, I'm just so excited. I know, right? And it's like the synthesis of like your true loves art and spooky stuff exactly and friendship and friendship and the full moon and a full moon that's making me feel really weird i love it the the moon and i love all of its different phases but i'm for one kind of over this full moon it's making me feel weird and i'm ready for it to be done but that's just me I don't feel that. I remember recording an episode on a full moon a few months ago, and I just felt like I was tripping over my words the entire time. Like, that mm. full moon energy, man. It'll get you. It can. It certainly can. It's a harvest, full full harvest moon, October 1st. Just mm-hmm. We made it. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Six months into this quarantine, we finally got to the, the fun month. <laughs> 
Everyone's been waiting. I really imagine, Brian, I really imagine you just like since quarantine started, you just like sitting in a corner waiting for October. Just looking out the window, drinking coffee (laughs) in disdain at the leaves that are still green. (laughs) Change, damn it. Willing them to turn. (laughs) Exactly. For this episode, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some haunted art. If you've been following the Art History Babes for a while, uh, we did a haunted paintings episode a couple years ago that we will probably release right before this comes out. So we've we've done a little bit of haunted art, and so we decided we would do more haunted art for this crossover and that's what we got we've got a really interesting hodgepodge of uh haunted <laughs> slash possessed slash curse Cursed, slash yeah. um uh, yeah. creative endeavors yes <laughs> i really wanted to find a possessed piece of art but uh, i i settled on curse it's hard to find cursed is pretty close mm-hmm. what is the difference between being cursed and possessed Possessed, wow. it's like the, uh, yeah, are you going to talk about it? Oh, no, 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 you, no, no, you sounded more confident. This is your realm. <laughs> like, well, you're I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, Brian. <laughs> no, 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 I was just wasting time while I tried to think of something. So please go. <laughs> I am not uh, an expert on possessions uh, or cursed, but I am Catholic or used to be. And <laughs> possessions, it, there's like a spirit embodying it. And cursed, it's there's like a, a hex put on something from something yes, else. That makes yeah. sense. Would you say possessions are strictly demonic? Like a possession is always bad or can it be like a good possession? No, I don't think it can always has to be bad. I think it's usually portrayed as bad, but I think there's probably people you can talk to like mediums. They, they sometimes will get possessed to. That's true. Are there examples of people speaking through spirits or or like uh, saints and things like that? Is that a thing? Does that happen? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that'd be probably a lot of stories like that. I, oh. I was a very short-term Catholic. Like Joan of Arc? Yeah. Maybe she was possessed. Or- like there was one saint and there was a, a crying Mary or something. Yeah, that, I think <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. I'm just going to go with yes on that. <laughs> uh, I hope you all realize you're in very good hands for this episode. <laughs> We were all once Catholic, and I think we once knew the answer, and that's where we're going to guide then, you. <laughs> a bunch of lapsed Catholics. <laughs> Nat, you were Catholic? Yeah. Or like, you were baptized? I was baptized. I did my first communion. I did my confirmation. I did all that. What? Yeah, and then I realized yeah. that because my dad was divorced, he couldn't do any of it, and he was the only reason I was doing it. And I was like, wait, what? No, this is no. dumb. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I can't even do this with the one person I wanted to spend time with over this. Like, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, I guess I'm the only non-Catholic background person. I have. I thought you I were. Taken- the Italian no. is deceiving. It makes it feel like you were. You went to Catholic school, though, didn't you? Yeah. That's pretty close. <laughs> I feel like that's the default. Grandfather didn't. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, it was like a good school and they had good sports teams. So it was like, oh, I'll, I'll go here. Yeah, um, yeah. sports. <laughs> I, I played so many sports in high school. I was a different person. It was a different life. Jock. You were half Catholic and you played sports. <laughs> yes, it's true. But no, I, I took, um, I ate the body of Christ a couple times. 
Yeah. And because yeah. we had mass and, and almost all my friends in high school were Catholic or like, you know, were raised that way. And, you know, everyone would get up and I was like, what's happening? And my friends were like, Ginny, come on. And I was like, okay. And then I, um, you know, I took that, that uh, sacrament and then I told my mom and she's like, you're not supposed to do that. Like you aren't Catholic. You haven't been baptized, you know, like you don't stop it. Technically you shouldn't do that. And I was like, Oh damn it. (laughs) Oops. Really goofed here. But you know, what's done is done. Put that on your headstone. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> that actually would be a perfect, a perfect headstone for Ginny. Yeah, it's done. It's done. Short and sweet. I mean, hey, <laughs> what more do you need to know? <laughs> Literally nothing. Amazing. Okay, should we uh, get into some some yes. haunted art of all yes. different kinds? So we're starting with Natalie. I think we're taking it all the way back to Pompeii. Pompeii, baby. I was reminded in researching this of a lovely debate I had with one of my dear, stubborn, stubborn friends who insisted that there was only one eye in Pompeii, and we went back and forth for a while. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I won. There's two eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time I think about Pompeii, I think about actually going to Pompeii. I was lucky enough to visit Pompeii. And I went the same year that like Bastille was really big. (laughs) And they had that Mm -hmm. song called Mm -hmm. Pompeii. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. It was like a whole thing. I remember seeing like Snapchats and like just stuff online of like people at Pompeii and they were like singing the song like in Pompeii. And then like I was in Pompeii. Don't love that. (laughs) I mean, I, I get it, but it's just a little too on the nose for me. Oh, it's very (laughs) (laughs) So I always just like associate almost like my experience of Pompeii in my head, like the background (laughs) was Bastille playing. (laughs) I get it though. That's that's what the genuine experience. (laughs) All wrapped into one. Yeah. But anyways, let's learn about some art from Pompeii. Yes. So if you are not familiar with the Roman city of Pompeii, it was once thriving uh, during the Roman Empire, but Mount Vesuvius, a nearby volcano, erupted in 79 BCE, and it covered the entire city in ash and did two things in doing that. It killed everybody, and it also preserved the whole city. So we have this very well-preserved Roman city, exactly as it was. There's lots of cool art that came out of it. I think there's the lovers. I mean, that's not art, but it's dead bodies. I guess it's art. What is it? Uh, (laughs) Dead mummy art? (laughs) Both and neither. I don't know. It's poetic. We could definitely say it's poetic. Yeah. Yeah, memento mori and also memento love. Yeah. Before I ever saw it in person, I saw it photographed. And the way it's always photographed, I feel like, is very art-like. Oh, sure, yeah. Sure. It's, I, yeah, there's definitely... It's it's an image that just kind of shows up as, as yeah, an artistic image, as, as a poetic image, which it is, yeah. uh, for sure. And it's two people mm-hmm. embracing. And so, yeah, they obviously 
Well, actually, I don't know if they obviously knew it was coming. I think that's assumed a lot of times because we want to put like all this intense meaning on it. But they also could have just been at that time embracing. Like we really don't know. Could have been snoozing. I hope so, honestly, because that sounds like <laughs> fucking terrifying. So I really hope right. they were asleep. Yeah, I hope right. that for everyone. So that happened. It was a real bummer, but we have this very well-preserved city because of it. And so people love to come visit the city of Pompeii, including Corey and I. Brian, do any of you guys visited? Nope. I haven't. I always meant to when I was living in Rome, and I just never did it. But I still regret it. I should have done it. But it's okay. It's still there. So it goes. Right? It's still still there. I'll be able to go there in 2025. Like how you're talking about it. Like, oh, well, too late. (laughs) What's done is done. What's What's done done is done. Sorry. Goodbye. (laughs) Have not seen it. Will not see it. Not seen. Um, (laughs) So skipping ahead a little bit, visitors who frequent Pompeii, I should have looked up exactly how many people a year. I'm sure it's many. It's pretty big. I think that's one of the more surprising things about it when I was there is just walking around like the town area that they've excavated. It's just a large patch of land. The streets are carved back out. So you're walking through this old Roman city and people like to steal shit. And so, you know, there's multiple stories that I found in articles and it varies from, you know, just tourists who got excited and wanted some sort of memento to like legit thieves who plan it out. Mm. And this is like what they Mm do. But regardless of their backstory, they have frequently reported feeling a like haunted presence after bringing Mm. back these artifacts to their homes. So this story kind of broke first broke in 2014 when a Canadian woman sent back this piece of ruin that she had stolen during her honeymoon like 50 years prior and they kind of pose it in this article is like she had this like moment of reckoning she just felt really guilty so i i don't know if she felt guilty or not but when this story broke and you know people were talking about oh wow this atonement she's doing blah 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 pompey the conservators or people at Pompeii who work there came out and were like, actually, this is pretty common. Like we get like hundreds of these packages from people who are like, I don't want this. I'm really sorry I took it. Like (laughs) bad things are happening. Uh, I've had really good luck and I don't want this anymore. I'm sorry. You know, the exact reason, whether it was altruism or uh, she had some bad luck and wanted it out of her house is uh, up to our speculation. Speculate we will. That we will. That reminds me of I'm I'm trying to find it. I'm like on our Instagram and it was it was a long time ago. Jenny, you might remember, but there's this comic and I found it. I found it. I found it. There we go. Brilliant. There we go. Nat, you're going to appreciate this because it's poorly drawn lines. And I know you love uh, poorly drawn lines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So poorly drawn lines. If you're not familiar, you got to get on that on the Instagram it's so good and it's just this little four section comic and there's like a bird and he's on the phone he's like hey dad i dug up an old skull and i think it might be the devil and then the dad's on the phone he's like kevin what have i told you about archaeology and then the bird's like it's a game of thieves and liars and then the dad's like and and then the bird's like and one day you'll dig up the devil yes So good. I have the book and I'm pretty sure it's in here. So if it is, I'm going to post a picture to our story just with no explanation. 
other than it's so good. So good. <laughs> and one so day good. you'll dig up the devil. <laughs> Anyways, so that uh, back to back to digging up the devil in Pompeii. I think that's what we were getting at. I think so, too. I don't even care anymore, though, because you brought up poorly drawn lines, and now that's all I want to talk about. I didn't know that you were looking up poorly drawn lines. I would have been way more interested. <laughs> Back to Pompeii. Some of these artifacts that people have found have been like genuinely helpful in restoring frescoes and things that have been destroyed. I think like the, uh, what are they, conservators, is that the right word? Yeah, I think you're right. Conservators, conservators, conservationalists. Sounds good. One of those. I'll splice in whichever one's right. It's just going to cut to Ginny's voice for a second. Um, (laughs) Conservationalist. (laughs) Perfect. I don't even think that's right. (laughs) I like that one the best, though. I hope it's right. So they, I think they like the myth because it one deters people from stealing and two they're getting their stuff back so i can't say that a lot of these articles made me like fully believe that these items are cursed but it made me believe that the uh people working pompeii have a vested interest in people believing these items are cursed (laughs) Um. (laughs) belief is the most powerful force in the universe it's true and italians love curses they they fucking love they really do and i mean let's like if you go back mount vesuvius erupting in itself was like a very unlucky thing for all of those uh 20 20, ish residents that were living there when it happened so it's not a far cry for people to then be like everything here is cursed i feel like there's a pretty direct line between like volcanic eruptions and curses i i i don't know why i feel that way but like that is a big curse that is a- yeah there has been a connection there i mean it's kind of the ultimate curse is when a fucking volcano erupts near you like do you remember being a kid and learning about this and just being like is this not the scariest shit we've ever heard of right and everything's just like frozen in time in ash and your 10 year old brain is like it was what excuse <laughs> like, me ash did what <laughs> we're not even talking about the lava like we're not even there i mean if you want to go real dark like fucking yellowstone's a super volcano oh i and- knew you were gonna do this <laughs> i knew you were <laughs> just can't help yourself i can't <laughs> It is, and it could yeah. blow at any time. You're welcome. <laughs> Shield yeah. volcano. I mean, any time is probably now time because everything's clicking into place this year. And uh, yeah. <laughs> clicking so. into place. What's <laughs> <laughs> done is done. Some might say apocalypse. I say uh, beautiful end times, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's all about perspective. Everything's coming together. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Nat, tell us about these cursed objects, please. (laughs) Well, see, that's the thing. It's like in the articles I found, like, it'll be, you know, like a piece of a mosaic or like a part of a fresco that crumbled at some point. And then someone was like, oh, I'm going to take this little piece. But there isn't 
a lot of description of events happening other than people just feeling very unsettled. That seems to be the general consensus. Like, bad luck is cited. But that's why I'm like, is it just guilt? Like, yeah, I'm like, is that just their conscience? Like, I don't know if that's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like an actual Mm -hmm. curse or like, so you weren't able to find like any actual stories of people? No, I mean, there's multiple articles referring to the fact that these items are stolen and hundreds are returned. And there's also mention of considering opening a museum just for returned artifacts that were stolen. That would be amazing. (laughs) That'd be so cool. Especially if that museum then gave us the stories of what happened when those items were not in Pompeii. Like, because I'm dying to know. Mm -hmm. Especially if that museum was called like the Museum of Cursed Pompeii Artifacts. It has to be. (laughs) The Museum of Human Guilt in parentheses. (laughs) leaving money on the table if they don't call it that (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) Uh, yeah that was the really interesting part for me it's quote-unquote cursed but no i don't know my my optimistic self wants to believe that the reason that they're not leaking any stories is because they're saving it for their first exhibition and they're gonna like wow us with some sort of museum with all this stuff because if they claim that they've gotten hundreds of letters and returned artifacts which they claim i pay well i did a free subscription for a newspaper that someone needs to remind me to cancel before i get charged in order to find out more information about this and i still didn't get anything more so so i hope that means that a museum is coming and we can get more information about what exactly has happened to these people or even if i honestly even if it's just weird feelings or like weird vibes i just want to read the letters like i just want to hear what people are feeling about having these items in their homes yeah for sure i i want to know if they're like hoarding a bunch of really spooky stories or like weird stories they could be and that's very exciting I'd read a book. I mean, times are weird. Travel's not ideal. I'd I'd read a book about it. Yeah. Just a totally. book of letters of stolen Pompeii stuff. So, um, is Pompeii cursed? We don't know. <laughs> Maybe um Vulcan, the volcano Roman god, cursed oh. Pompeii. Yeah, let's get him on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Call him up. Should we hey, summon him? Hey, Vulcan. Yeah, caller number one, you're on. <laughs> Apparently, we summon ghosts on our podcast now. Yes. Yeah, gods are the next logical step. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ghosts. Ghosts. And gods. Ghouls, <laughs> demons, and gods. Gods, yep. That'd be a great <laughs> name Demons. for a podcast. Ghost and, ghosts and gods. Ghosts and gods. Ooh. Ooh. I like the full title. Ghosts and ghouls and demons and gods. That's <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want all four for that roundtable discussion. <laughs> that what you got Nat? yeah i mean that's it was pretty that's why i said it's all speculation like i just wanted to hear what you guys thought about like cursed items but i guess it, it would be more fun to speculate if there were like really detailed stories about what people experience but yeah um, that's, I mean, right. that's honestly what i want to know i like obviously mm-hmm. if this that Me many too. people are having experiences like that's that's interesting I mean, we'll link our sources to the website so you guys can read the same articles I did. But they claim hundreds of items returned with letters, like mentioning Mm -hmm. bad luck. 
that's like more, I don't know, powerful evidence than just like one person being like, oh, this painting's haunted or, you know, just like when you have a mass like that, that's like interesting. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But also it's like, is it just a big PR stunt by Pompeii to like stop stealing our stuff? (laughs) I've heard of other places having similar things like, oh God, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a national park in the States where you, there's like a lot of petrified wood and people who Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to take anything Mm -hmm. from the park. And then there's like, people will just send it back in mass. Did you watch, uh, what's the name of the show on Netflix? Dead to Me. Dead to Me. <laughs> yes, dude. Yeah, so I think I think it just kind of speaks to an interesting sense of, like, object agency, where people can mm-hmm. really, really believe in objects and the power for objects to, like, fuck up your life or, or make it better. But there's also, have you guys ever heard of, um, there's this haunted doll at some like creepy house in Florida and people now it's like at a museum and people will like if they don't respect the doll they apparently get bad luck and so they write all these letters to this haunted doll being like please whatever your name is like we're is it like so the clown sorry. doll no he's like one? a little he's like a little sailor doll boy yes, Hold yes, on. Yes. oh yeah there was a lore thing about it wasn't there yes Yes, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. one. But no, I mean it it just goes to show like how people can really like put any sense of like bad luck totally. or curse vibe on some kind of tangible item. So I think yeah. that in and of itself is really interesting just psychologically. I speaking. totally agree. I think it's like yeah. such an interest like like I said, I think belief is probably the most powerful force in the universe and I really think we often give power to objects. Like, I don't know if you guys remember this. I know I've shown it to you before. But when I was in Miami, I bought this like really weird necklace that has like a really old picture of a man on it. And oh, yeah. Like every time I wear it or any anyone I show it to, they're like, that's fucking haunted. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Right, right. I'll post a picture on the Instagram so everyone can see my creepy necklace. And like I jokingly, I'm like, yeah, this necklace is fucking haunted. But I don't actually believe it is haunted. So like I, I yes, nothing bad you're not happened. scared of the sure. necklace. Yeah, I'm not I'm not afraid of it. I just have this weird fucking necklace of this old dude and I don't know who he is and like I whatever. Maybe he's your guardian angel. Yeah, exactly. One, he could be like a spirit guide or two it's the intention behind it. Like I bought it like, and I wear it as kind of just a weird artifact. Right. And so like, right. With that energy, I don't feel like it has any power over me, but Mm -hmm. like if I walked around and was like, this is fucking haunted, then I'd probably be haunted, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's like the article where it mentions a potential exhibition also talks about how like this is a really interesting study in anthropology and just like how people engage with history and objects and the human psyche. Oh, the name that he's thinking of calling the exhibition would be What I Brought Back from Pompeii. And it would be all of the letters and explaining why they returned it. Interesting. That's super interesting. Mm -hmm. So everyone, fingers crossed, because I want to see it. Totally. 
All right, Pompeii. 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 <laughs> uh, should we take a quick break and then? Yeah. All right, little break time. Don't get haunted. <laughs> or do. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Also, not saying you did a bad job, but when I just zoomed in on your tiny man's face, it's just one big blur. <laughs> he it's looks so like a- blurry. It's definitely haunted. The face doesn't even show up. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 haunted. <laughs> Maybe the next break I'll go pull it out of my jewelry box and send you a good picture because it is a spooky necklace. And that's why I bought it. And like when I bought it, I bought it from a thrift shop in Miami. And when I bought it, the lady at the thr- thrift shop is like, that's weird, huh? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's not okay. It's- <laughs> it's not, it isn't. It isn't. And I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ultimately, I'm like, well, he's probably just watching over me, whoever that man is. So, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. If I also think if I believed it was actually haunted, then it would probably haunt me. You know what I mean? Like, it probably weird shit would probably happen. I believe it's haunted. So what does that do? (laughs) Like, that's a good question. Actually, that's a really good question. Maybe I don't know. But I'd rather you didn't believe it was haunted because now maybe I'm going to get haunted because of you. I can't help it. Look at this picture. His face is blurred <laughs> out in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's spooky. Uh, if I get haunted because of you, Brian. I'm like not reaching here. This is. <laughs> it's, it's a faceless man, Corey. It's a faceless man. <laughs> From like the Victorian era. Yeah, I know. <laughs> The creepiest period of all. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. <laughs> Bring it back. All right. Haunted art. Ginny, what do you got for us? Oh boy. Okay. So I'm going to talk about what has often been held up as Japan's most famous ghost story and the interpretations of that story in art. It's called um, Yatsuya Kaidan, and this was originally written in 1825 and was written actually as a kabuki play. So this was during the Edo period in Japan, which was like a very chill time in a lot of ways. It was fairly peaceful, a time where the arts flourished, visual performing arts And um, there were a lot of prints made from this period called Yukioe prints, which translate to the floating world because that's what these pleasure districts in during this period were called. So like the pleasure districts were where you would go to like see a kabuki uh, play or, you know, see a sex worker or go to a tea house, you know, just like have have fun, have like a good uh, fucking time. So. So this story was, yeah, so it was written in 1825, and it was apparently based off of real local ghost stories of the time. 
The story takes place in Yotsuya, which was an area in the city of Edo, which is today's Tokyo. And the main character in the story is this woman named Oiwa, and she's married to a man named Tamiya Iewom. And he was a ronin, which in the Edo period was a samurai. But like, if you were a samurai and you didn't have a master, a lot of times you were very broke because you weren't serving a master. So you weren't getting that pay. And she wants to leave her husband because he's an asshole. And her father is supportive of her in leaving her husband. But her father and her husband have a confrontation, and her husband ends up killing her father, but tells her, like, oh, he was murdered, but, like, no one knows who Mm -hmm. killed him, and I will avenge his murder, but you have to stay married to me in order for me to avenge his murder. So she's like, shit, okay. And then they end up having a kid together, but Iemon is like, oh, God, now she has a baby, and she's gross, and... I'm not into it. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, God. And their next door neighbor happens to be this very wealthy doctor. And his granddaughter is like beautiful and young. And for whatever weird reason, she like really has the hots for Iemon. And she's like, Grandpa, I would love to marry him, but he has a wife and it sucks. And her grandpa, the doctor, is like, mm, like let me talk to him. And so he talks to Iemo and he's like, hey, my granddaughter wants to marry you. If you marry her, you know, you'll be more successful. I'll get you set up with a master and you'll be like an official samurai. And Iemo is like, yes, this sounds great. Like, that's what I want. I want like a younger, hotter wife and to be a samurai. Mm-mm-mm. Don't we all? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Sounds very Faustian. I think I know where this is going. (laughs) So Iemon is like plotting. He's like, okay, how do I get rid of my current wife? This is a problem. So he consult, like he talks to one of his buddies and he's like, hey, I want you to go to our house and I want you to rape my wife, basically. And because of that, I can then divorce her due to adultery. Wow. Because- that's the worst possible answer. That's, that's, wow. Yeah. That's the worst one. The yeah, worst. it's really bad. It's, it's really, really bad. And meanwhile, Oiwa is like clueless about everything that's going on. And she goes next door to the doctor to get some like cream prescribed or something like that. And the doctor's like, Oh, like I want my granddaughter to marry this woman's husband. I'm going to give her some cream. That's going to burn her fucking face off so that she's not as beautiful so that, (laughs) that her husband will want to leave her even more and marry my granddaughter. So he gives her this like acid cream. (laughs) Damn. I know it's really dark. (laughs) We're getting into it. My story was nothing. (laughs) So poor Oiwa is putting some acid cream on her face and like somehow like it's burning, but she's like, oh, you know, it's, it's helping me. And I, I suppose she doesn't have a mirror. So she doesn't know that half of her face is becoming like very disfigured and just, you know, burnt and raw and all that. So then her dick husband's friend comes over to, to rape her. And turns out he doesn't do that. He maybe feels bad or something. And he ends up confessing to her like, hey, your husband sent me to do this thing. And also he killed your dad. And 
look, here's a mirror, look at your face. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just going to lay it all out for you. A lot you. of bad news all at once. God. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's, oh, it's so grim. Um, oh, man. So she sees her face. She's pissed. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to go confront the doctor first. And she's like trying to comb her hair to cover the side of her face that's all burnt. And apparently during this time, like it was considered like really sexy for Japanese women to comb their hair. It was like, ooh, like how how beautiful to watch, like the combing of the hair. And while she's combing her hair, like some chunks of her hair just rip out when she's combing it. Oh my God. And um, she flips her shit. She grabs a sword and she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go kill some people. Mm-hmm. And um, her husband's friend tries to stop her. And in doing that, she trips and falls on the sword and stabs herself in the throat. <sighs> and then while she's lying in a pool of her own blood with her last dying breath, she curses her husband, Iemon, yeah. being like, I curse you. Did she steal something from Pompeii? Like, what? Why did she have such bad luck? Such bad luck. That is the most cursed, cursed situation I can possibly imagine. Oh my God. <laughs> so she dies. Her husband comes home. One of their servants says, Hey, your wife is dead. He's like, Oh, yes. And he kills the servant with his sword. And he concocts this whole story that his wife was having an affair with the servant Mm. and so that he killed both of them for honor. And then he almost immediately marries the next door neighbor doctor's granddaughter. But Oiwa starts haunting his ass right away, like toot sweet. Wedding night, they're in bed. He looks over instead of his young, new, beautiful bride is the just fucked up face of his dead wife. (laughs) Fuck yeah, get it. Just looking at him. <laughs> that's what I do too, man. Like, yeah, that's, hell yeah. yeah. Same. My petty ass would haunt oh, forever. I, you forever know, and ever. A long game to where I would only do it so often that they would let their guard down between each time yeah. and then it'd just be as terrifying as right, the first. Right. Like, I'm right, back. Right, right, right. <laughs> Oh, you dare fucking relax. No, no. Never. <laughs> anyway. Um, so he freaks out and he stabs what he thinks, you know, is like the ghost of his dead wife, but it's actually an illusion, really. And he ends up killing his new bride. And then he runs out and he sees the servant he killed and he's like, oh, wachow, and chops that guy down. But it turns out it's the doctor. And so then he's just like on the loose, losing his shit. He sees his dead wife everywhere in his dreams her face on other people there's a really cool scene where he's like looking at a lantern and it morphs into her face and then like her mouth like opens like it's going to like consume him so he goes crazy and he goes to the mountains to you know try and get some peace but he just loses his mind because she she's enacting vengeance not only for herself but for her father and a lot of that has to do with like samurai code of the time where it's like honor and avenging you know like family members and all that that's like the most amazing story I've ever heard (laughs) 
it was a horrible, but I was so into it. And I don't know what that says about me, but damn. She literally fell on her own sword. Yeah. On accident, yeah. not even on purpose. I know, I know. And she's what's called an onrio, which is a vengeful spirit that's like a very common kind of trope in like Japanese horror and ghost lore, Mm -hmm. especially for women that were like wronged in their lives. And they come back as these just like really creepy, relentless spirits. Like they will just haunt you and haunt you and haunt you. And there've apparently been like a lot of movie depictions of this story. I haven't seen any of them myself. And apparently also like the imagery of her inspired some of that little girl in the ring, Mm -hmm. apparently. Yes. Yes. I knew you were going to say that. I literally (laughs) knew it. (laughs) I was just waiting. I was like, it's going to be the ring. It's going to be the ring. And it was the ring. You got it. You got it. it. Yeah. So anyways, when this play debuted, people during this period in Japan fucking flipped for it. They loved it. They thought it was great. And people were just really enthralled by this story of a woefully wronged woman turning into this on Rio, this very vengeful spirit that just like haunts this guy until he loses his goddamn mind. Also popular during this period, performing arts were very in and cool and artists, primarily woodblock printmakers, would make different interpretations of the story and also do prints depicting the actors playing the characters in the story. And so there are some just like really tremendous ghoulish woodblock prints of Oiwa. Like there's one of her with like a kind of lopsided face and a robe and she's all like long black hair and super pale. There's a few of her being the lantern, which are just amazing where this lantern morphs into her face and her eyes are all like huge and her mouth is gaping open and her dumbass husband is like trying to pull out his sword. And so it really was like immortalized in the play form, in the written form, but then even more so in these prints, which at the time were like really widely accessible during the Edo period. So like people would be like, oh, like I went and saw this play and then they could purchase a print of such and such kabuki actor playing the husband and all that. We'll put some of the images up. They are so spooky and so good. Just the spookiest. Spookiest and the goodest. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's such a good story. I looked at some of the images on the Google Mm -hmm. Doc and I was just like... I, yeah, I like want some of those prints. Like I want to get some of those. Like I, I feel like I dope. need those in my life. <laughs> They're dope. And you can see too how like this story has had such like a visual influence on Japanese horror and like mm-hmm. the kind of ghost genre and how they depict especially like female ghosts where it's like, oh yeah, like I see the connection. I see how this story like, hundreds of years later still has a huge impact. The visual aesthetics of ghosty times mm-hmm. in Japan. So there you go. That was great. Oh, that was, was. I, oh, yeah. I feel like we could just end the episode. That was good. <laughs> that had all the satisfying finality that mine lacked. And I want to pull together you better, a common. You better stop 
You better stop putting yourself down, Nat. No, I'm not even trying to put myself down. I just wanted more answers and they weren't there. Like, I'm not even hating on myself anymore. I'm just moving on to hating the people who didn't give me the letters. I hate them. I hate hate them. So much. (laughs) That's a to be continued. Down the line somewhere, we're going to find out more about the potentially Yes, we're putting that out in the universe. Indeed. Pompeii. Out it goes. Artifacts. But I, um, but I did want to draw a common thread to like, don't do shitty things that are going to make you feel bad. Like that kind of seems to be a common <laughs> thing in mine and Ginny's stories so far. And right, a solid life lesson. <laughs> yeah, if you have things to feel guilty about. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If you feel feel guilty about stealing something, you might end up feeling haunted. If you're a real dick who like kills people's dads and like <laughs> just does a bunch of fucked up shit you're gonna get fucking haunted yeah, yeah. Like, we hope yep, you get haunted do <laughs> don't be that guy all right let's take another quick break and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna jump to uh some 19th century spiritualism cory are you just gonna shock us all and tell us the story of your necklace <laughs> <laughs> That would have been good. Oh, <laughs> All right, guys. I have a haunted piece of art right here. <laughs> Live from South Dakota. <laughs> I am currently being haunted. <laughs> <laughs> We've returned. It's spooky Corey, spooky Brian, spooky Natalie, and spooky Ginny. Yeah. Spooky crew. Spooky crew. Spook. <laughs> Yikes. We're all real proud of that. I loved it. <laughs> I feel so dirty. Okay. Haunted art. Uh, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's what we are talking about today. <laughs> uh, we're on to you. What do you got? I got some late 19th century stuff. So we're talking spiritualism. Love to talk about it. I want to talk about the Villa Montezuma Mansion in San Diego, California. San Diego. (laughs) You got to. God damn it. I'm going to put this beer down. I was about to open another one. I'm questioning everything. I love it. (laughs) It's perfect. (laughs) Specifically the stained glass windows, but also like, okay, so this got on my radar from my faves, from my ghoul boys at BuzzFeed Unsolved. I love BuzzFeed Unsolved. I've talked about it before. Feel so left out because mm-hmm. you guys have both talked about it. All three it's of you so have now heard all three of you talk about how much you love it because I've listened to the... I what is it? <laughs> I don't remember the name of your show because I always use the acronym. God damn it! <laughs> the haunt. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now let her figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's the. <laughs> make you. I'm, 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 I want to see what you come up with because I have a feeling it might be like better than the actual name. <laughs> is it the, the haunted harvest horror show? Or do, uh, do I just want to say haunted because we keep talking uh, about haunted things? <laughs> that was really close, actually. You got three out of four. I know it's three H's. Happy, yeah. damn it. Fuck, Corey, happy, Corey, happy, duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, oh a, what, man. A, what a party we're having on this crossover episode. 
Oh, yikes. Anyway, I've heard all of you guys talk about it at this point is the point of my rant and I need to watch it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna put it out there for any listeners out there. BuzzFeed Unsolved. I love it. I love it so much. This got on my radar because they did an episode on the Villa Montezuma mansion. And right at the beginning of the episode, when they're like about to go in to the mansion, Shane says, and I quote, architecturally speaking, this looks like it was built in the classic haunted house style. (laughs) 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 And he's not wrong. It is like everything you're looking for in a haunted house. It's a really weird house. It's got gargoyles. It's got towers. It's got lots of stained glass. It's got five tile-faced fireplaces. There are rumors of secret passages and concealed spaces. Everything about this house just kind of screams haunted. Like I said, I was going to just talk about the stained glass because like, I love stained glass and there's some interesting things involving stories surrounding the stained glass. But this... This house is just really fucking weird. And there's so much weird shit associated with it that I just I'm just going to talk about the whole house. Houses are art. Architecture is art. Like that's a thing, right? Yeah, 100 percent. I knew Ginny was going to validate me there. Ginny's our architecture babe. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no question. (laughs) If there is a question, people can write me a letter and I will write one back handwritten telling them that they're wrong. (laughs) Be very formal about this whole process. <laughs> so this house has everything. I love your sales pitch for this haunted house. It really sounded like you were like listing. I'm thinking of like the Rick and Morty, like interdimensional cable episodes. <laughs> That's how I imagine you listing all. Of the, it's got it all. It's got this. It's got this. <laughs> Me trying to sell haunted houses. That would be an amazing interdimensional cable show. Great. Okay. Anyway, back to the house. Yes. It's a big, big, beautiful house in San Diego. It was built in 1887 by musician, very well-known, well-renowned musician, Jesse Shepard. And it was a known location for spiritualism, for spiritualist get-togethers. And end of 19th century spiritualism, very, very hot right now. And Shepard is this kind of big name musician and also a spiritualist. He had the house built and then he would also conduct seances in his big creepy mansion. And there are stained glass windows all over the house. I just, oh, I, it's like my dream house. I love stained glass so much. It's beautiful. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 19th century stained glass. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's just kind of weird. And there's stained glass windows that depict famous musicians such as Chopin and Mozart. And during seances, Jesse would actually commune with these famous musicians. And there is one source that reports a tale of Jesse communing Mm. with Chopin and Mozart whilst playing the piano. And one of these, uh, you know, famous, famous musicians would would be playing through him on his right hand and the other one would be playing through him on his left hand. That's too much. That's some... 
That's a musician that's really full of himself. That's what that is. <laughs> you know what that sounds like is someone just no, making guys. nonsense and being like, this is Chopin and this is Mozart. And then just like slamming. <laughs> totally. But also, and they bring it up in the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode. Also, though, like, I really kind of like putting myself in the situation of being a guest at this gathering. Oh, yeah. You're in this weird, creepy-ass house, and you've got this infamous piano player who apparently was a very passionate artist, like player of the piano, and he's just banging away on the key <laughs> in this weird house, and he's telling you that he's channeling Mozart, and you're like, oh the my shredding. god! <laughs> yeah, you did not have to believe for this to be interesting, <laughs> like... <laughs> that sounds like a legit good time and i would like to be there for that <laughs> wow <laughs> oh man so there's that and then there's also a stained glass portrait of our boy uh pd paul rubens hey call oh. back to a very recent episode pd pd paul that's a great yeah. great nickname <laughs> oh pd paul um, so there is a stained glass portrait of of Petey Paul that uh, over the years, people have reported that the beard, the beard that he is donning, has been slowly graying over time. <laughs> it's a possessed beard. <laughs> Which, you know, is most likely just like aging and poor maintenance of the Yeah, sink. right. Sounds like, sounds like dust. That's what that is. Dust, yeah. <laughs> Like, dust is oh also God. gray. The longer I leave it, the more dust you get. So <laughs> I don't know. That's part. Uh. That's part of the story. So that's actually like where I started with this, right? I was like, I'm gonna tell the story of the stained glass portrait of Peter Paul Rubens, but it kind of ends there. The beard has apparently been graying over time. There are pictures, like you're like, yeah, it's clearly graying, but like, yeah, it's probably just aging of the material. And there have been plenty of times when this house has kind of fallen into disrepair. So it's just like, that's what happens to art. Because as we have discussed so many times on this podcast, uh, everything dies. So like, <laughs> even this uh, stained glass of uh, Peter Paul Rubens is going to age and decay. But also, so much more has happened in this house. On top of all of that, all of the stained glass and the seances where we're calling in Mozart. There are also rumors of buried treasure in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> there have been tales of at least two specific ghosts, which were often apparitions seen from outside the house, like either standing in the windows or there are tales of the ghost of one of Jesse's servants who, true story, hung himself in the house. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm going off of uh, resources such as hauntedhouses.com and weirdcalifornia.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was definitely yeah. a common thread in my research as well. Like, <laughs> but what I read is that this servant, basically uh, the result of a broken heart, his, his love, she died. And so then he killed himself. Mm. He hung himself in the house and there have been reported stories of people seeing from the outside seeing like the shadow of a man hanging from the ceiling creepy mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. have also been sounds of a piano playing late at night heard outside of 
the house. Ooh. I don't like that um, <laughs> at all. Not not one bit. Of all the sounds to hear <laughs> late at night outside your house, though, a piano sounds like up there, the, my preferred sounds, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like it could be wailing, it could be screaming, <laughs> it could be crying, it could be a child. A piano sounds yeah. like... That's all right. It's <laughs> mild on the horror know. scale. <laughs> Ginny, Ginny sounds skeptical. She's not- yeah. <laughs> At least with a whale, you know something is afoot. But with a piano, it's like, it's just, it's too ambiguous. That's fair. Something nice is afoot, you know? <laughs> it's a nice foot. Mm. Maybe a, a haunted musical <laughs> is coming to town. <laughs> I'd love that, actually. That would be delightful. Yeah, that really would. <laughs> Best case scenario. So yeah, there are these apparitions, these these ghosts that have been reported, sounds of the piano playing from outside. There's also a tale of an old man that uh, shows up sitting in a chair in one of the guest rooms. Yeah, I don't like that. I'm going to go with Ginny's last quote and just be not about the man in the chair in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly, how Jesse Shepard died. He was actually originally from Europe. He came over to the United States, built this house, and it was kind of like this weird big thing because he was like a well-known musician, but also like a lot of the well-to-do high cultured people in San Diego who like wanted to be in his circle also ended up shunning him because they were like spiritualism. You talk to ghosts, like what is that? I don't like that. So he came over, everyone's excited. He's here, he's building a mansion and everyone's like, excuse me, you, you do what now? And then like a lot of the higher cultured people in San Diego were like, I'm not into that. And so Jesse ended up going back to Europe, leaving the house. I believe it went to disrepair for a little while. Very interesting story, though, how Jesse Shepard ended up passing away. He was actually playing a concert. He was doing his thing on the piano. Of course. And at the end of the concert, came to a conclusion, and he was just sitting there, and everyone thought it was like this slow burn moment. Oh, no. Moment, and he was dead. He <laughs> fucking died. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. There's no appropriate <laughs> response to this man. story. <laughs> Ginny, don't be ashamed. He was dead. Like, that's crazy. um so yeah obviously everything about this dude in this house is just wild so that happened and then from let's see from 1906 to 1909 the house was rented out and some more spiritualism stuff happened um seances and whatnot and then the longest tenants in the house were a man by the name of frank lynch and his wife they moved into the house in 1909 and resided there until they died in 1942. So they were there for quite a while. Afterwards, the house became apartments. It became a boarding house. It was a multifamily residence. And then in 1948, Edward Campbell purchased the house solely to search for the buried treasure in the basement. How do you do? Oh my God. Yeah. I don't think he found it. But can you imagine (sighs) buying a mansion just to like look for buried treasure? Yeah, it's an investment, man. It could, it could, this could (laughs) be really good. That's too much. Money. That means you have too much money, sir. And then this is really interesting. 
So the last owners of the mansion were a couple by the name of the Jaegers, a retired engineer and a former silent film actress. Mm. So Mr. Jaeger died in 1958 and his wife, once again, kind of letting things fall into disrepair, didn't take really good care of the house. And the house began to deteriorate as well as Mrs. Jaeger's mental health. She went into a very deep denial about her husband's death. And she began standing on the street outside of the house, asking passersby where her husband was. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. That's sad. So, like, can you imagine you're just in San Diego, like, you're you're coming home from the bars or something. Walking past this house, you hear fucking uh, piano playing from inside uh, what seems to be a vacant home. You keep mm-hmm. walking, you turn the corner, there's a woman outside, and she's asking you where her husband's at. There's these weird stained glass windows, apparitions possibly from the, the tower. Like, I just, there's, it, it's such a weird place. <laughs> that would be a v- very bad place for me to be leaving a bar because then I would be like, oh, I'm, yes, what's his phone number? Let me help. How, yeah, where, where would you see him last? I would just be like trying to help her and then I would get sucked in and I'd probably get put into a necklace that Corey would then buy at some vintage shop. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Oh my God. uh, Let's see. I think he finally ended up selling the house for for much less than what it was worth. And then eventually, over time, the house was purchased by the San Diego Historical Society, who currently retains ownership over it. And this is interesting to me because going back to the beginning of the story that I told, I mentioned to you that there are rumors of secret passages and concealed spaces. And I'm like, if the San Diego Historical Society owns it, Shouldn't we know? Like, shouldn't we know if there are concealed passages or like? Right. Yeah. What aren't they telling us? One would think. Are they not telling us? Are these things just not there? But like, I'm like, I feel like that is a situation where we can find answers. I I don't know why the answers haven't been found yet. (laughs) Suspicious. Spooky. Very spooky. But yeah, so it's owned by the San Diego Historical Society. Now it is like a museum slash art gallery. It is also available for rent for like weddings and shit. And I want to get oh. married there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Also, just a couple of other little things. See, it's not even over yet. This is just the weirdest property. In 1986, there was a there was a big fire. Of course, yeah. there's always a big fire. Why is there always Austin. a fire? Also, just to round things out. There have been reports of a silver cat with blue eyes and extra toes that took up residence on the property. The caretakers of the property named her Psyche. Who's Mm -hmm. counting cat's toes? (laughs) Not only did she easily live through this fire, but rumor states that she has lived far longer than any cat should. No. Oh man, that cat's always been there. Cat's a ghost. No, no way. The cat built the house. The cat came with the 
Dude, yeah, probably. What a twist. I did not see this one coming. <laughs> that it was the cat. The cat buried its treasure and built a fucking house over it. Wow. <laughs> so really so ultimately, you know, that's a tale of possibly some haunted stained glass. Twists and turns and twists mm-hmm. and turns. And wow. Undeniably a weird house in San Diego. Yeah, very spooky house. Blech. No, thank you. Anytime. I don't think I'm coming to your wedding, Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that cat sounds pretty chill. If the cat's there, I'll come. I like imagining you at the end of the night at my wedding because we're like all drunk and you're outside talking to the woman that's looking for her husband. (laughs) While petting the cat, just like holding the cat. (laughs) We're going to find him, ma'am. He's here somewhere. (laughs) That's that's my perfect wedding. So... (laughs) Okay, so we have we have one one last example coming to us from the world of film from my Happy Harvest Horror Show co-host, Brian Muldoon. Hi, everyone. Happy to be here. Um, uh, <laughs> Puts on radio voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about supposedly cursed movie. And that movie is the original 1976 film, The Omen. Has anyone, first off, has anyone seen the movie, The Omen, the original? Yeah, I sure have, Brian. I surely have. We're going to chat. This one, this one's pretty spooky. The stories behind it are, I think, even scarier than the movie itself. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of this from, you know, we talked about sketchy websites, but there's also this great documentary on Shudder called Cursed Films, and it has like five episodes on supposedly Ooh. cursed films. And all of them, there's like, they're fun, like, oh, that's happenstance, that's coincidence. And this was the only one that I'm like, yeah, there might be something to it. This is there's a lot happening here. So after the huge success of the original Exorcist, producers were keen to cash in on the next Catholic nightmare. Um, and so they went with... So, <laughs> a story about a story about the Antichrist, uh, which is the story of the Omen, where these two—I guess what is the father? Um, he's like a diplomat, right? American diplomat so. in England, mm-hmm. yeah. And they adopt this baby who turns out to be the Antichrist, but they don't know that. And that's the that's the movie. Anyway, so during the filming of this, before they even started filming, they got a spiritual advisor on the set. His name was Robert Monger. And he was very not about going forward with this. He's like, guys, this is, <laughs> we're, we're walking on thin ice here. That oh he is quoted saying, if you make this movie, you're going to have some problems. If the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible and you're going to go do something which is going to take away his invisibility to millions of people, he's not going to want that mm. to happen. That's a bad omen. End quote. And that's how Ooh. they're, yeah, and that's how they're starting this. Now we're going up into the filming of this. Days before the first day of shooting, the star Gregory Peck was on a plane going to London, and this plane was struck by lightning. First omen. Days later, writer David Seltzer on a plane also going to set. His plane was also struck by lightning going to set. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sorry, lightning doesn't strike twice, but two two planes. Sometimes it does. And that wasn't all the plane accidents uh, around this movie. There was a final plane accident. And this one's actually really tragic because it was originally, there was a small plane that was hired for some aerial filming purposes. And the star Gregory Peck was supposed to be on this plane. But at the last second, they canceled the flight. And the vessel was then switched over to another client at the last minute. 
And that client and that plane crashed right after takeoff. It hit a flock of birds and then crashed into the road. And then on that road, crashed into a car, killing everybody on board and everyone in that car. Oh, my God. I know. And in that car, that station wagon that the plane hit was the wife and two kids of the pilot that they just they just no. dropped off. How? How? No. How? Real upsetting. No, Real Brian. Upsetting. And we're just getting into it. <laughs> like the filming hasn't even started uh, yet. I'm upset. Yep. The next big event. I mean, this is going to be a series of spooky events that are just kind of hard to believe that it's all surrounding one movie. The next one was producer Mace Newfeld was staying at a London Hilton during the filming for this. And this was 1975 when the IRA was very active. And so during this time, there's one day where he and his wife left the building and a block away, a building was bombed by the IRA. And not just at a few nights later, they were they had reservations at a restaurant that they were set to go dine at that restaurant also was attacked by members of the IRA. This one, it's like it a lot of these stories are kind of like these peripheral things happening in the movie to people who are attached to the movie during this time. This one was kind of like, it's not really, this is a very serious thing that was happening with IRA at the time. I can't really see the connection with the film, but it did happen during the filming of this. So it was brought up a lot of these websites that are talking about the Omen curse. Okay. So people that have seen the movie, the Omen, do you remember the scene where Damien and his mother go to a zoo, a drive-through zoo at the Windsor Safari Park. Yes. Yeah, the baboon scene. So in this Ooh. scene, Damien gets to go to the zoo with his mom, and they're driving through, and they <laughs> get to the baboon exhibit, and it's kind of like this drive-through zoo where all the animals are about, and they can walk around your car. Well, once they get to the baboon part of the park, the car stalls, shuts down, and then all the baboons, seeing the Antichrist Damien in the car, go nuts, go wild. They start jumping around, jumping on the car. The actress, Lee Remick, recalls filming this and being legitimately terrifying, and you can see, looking at this movie, you know, Mm -hmm. going back, she's not really acting. This is actually really fucking scary. So that was scary when it happened, but for the filming of this, for this baboon sequence, they hired an animal handler for the safety of the crew. The day after they filmed this scene, that same animal handler was killed by a tiger. Ah! Killed by a tiger? A tiger! What? Yes. (laughs) What? I know. And uh, tragedy kept going. This is like any one of these stories was like, yeah, the movie's kind of cursed. They, they, they keep going. The movie was set to be released on June 6, 1966. A lot of them. But that was just in the UK. In the US, it was June 25th. So not as exciting. But this leads us after the movie was released to the most famous omen story around this movie which happened to the special effects artist, John Richardson. So the movie came out in June. In August of that same year, John Richardson was working on another movie in the Netherlands called A Bridge Too Far. And while he was working on The Omen before that movie, he did all the special effects for all the deaths in the movie. And there was one death that involves a decapitation where a car is a runaway truck is going down a, uh, a road and there's a bunch of panes of glass in the back seat, and the mm. car hits a, like a bump and then the glass shoots out and kills one of the main characters, decapitates him. While he was filming this other movie, A Bridge Too Far, he and his fiance were in a real life car accident. He was walked away, survived, but his passenger and fiance, Liz Moore, she was beheaded in the accident. Uh, and, no. Yeah. What? And, and local reports 
say that this accident took place near a distance marker for a town called Omen, O-M-M-E-N. No. Which was 66.6 kilometers away. No, no, no. No, no, no. No one fuck with the devil ever again, guys. (laughs) Ever again. And so all these stories in this documentary that I was watching, they always ask these, the crew members, like, what do you think this movie's haunted? Do you think this is cursed? And you're like, duh, this is cursed. But then a lot of them crewmates and the creative personalities said, no, I think this was blessed in a way because all these bad things happened, but it never really happened to anyone directly working on the movie. You know, it like the... Hmm. Richardson, he was a special effects person. He survived. The producer, he was clear all the time that the both the plane accidents, they were hit by lightning and they still made it. And so there's all these weird things where it seems like the devil does not want this movie to happen, but I feel like the devil would be would do a little bit better job, you know? And so it leads to the speculation that what is it the devil or is it even um like if there is a curse, what who's doing the curse? Because it doesn't seem to be the devil. This documentary is really fun because then they go into talking about like, no, actually, there was a lot of Satanists at the time that did not like the PR this movie was giving them, that they're making the devil oh. look like this bad representation of the devil. And so Satanists wanted, did not want the movie to go forward. And so there's a thinking that that might be that, which is supported by the director, Richard Donner, saying numerous times before he went filming that he was receiving threats to not make this movie from Mm -hmm. these same people. Uh, Sure. But like we talked about earlier with just belief, making it happen, this could very Mm -hmm. much just be, we're making a movie about the antichrist and the devil, and we're going to be super hyper sensitive to everything surrounding it. And this sounds just like the unluckiest film production ever. And so naturally we're going to all assume that it's cursed. It's haunted. Right. That's what it is. But it's only about this production. There was a remake in 2006 that was released June 6, 2006. But no incidents uh, (laughs) happened in that one. So well, Gregory Peck wasn't in that one. So (laughs) he wasn't. Why? He was the common denominator. (laughs) We're always going for him. (laughs) I don't know. What did he do? I mean, it could also just be like energetic, like momentum, like one bad thing happens and then multiple people are like, oh, there's a curse or like something's going on here. And then it just kind of creates another bad thing. 66.6 kilometers, Corey. 66.6 66.6 kilometers. That's the one. That's the that's the famous one that people are like. like that just stops you in your tracks. How do you explain that? No, totally. Totally. I guess I'm just coming from a place of like if you believe in like yeah. like attracts like type shit, then like attracts like. Then like one bad thing's gonna lead to another bad thing is gonna lead to weird fucking shit like sixty six point six kilometers in a town name. Like it, I hear it, you. Obviously, after like the first thing happens or the first couple things happen you just have a lot of people that are like feeding this belief that there is some kind of curse and when Mm -hmm. you have a lot of people feeding a certain belief then you're going to keep seeing more signs for it you know what i mean like right oh yeah yeah because then you look at this too you're talking about patterns because there was a few stories that it didn't include like one of the one of the stunt people was also working on that same movie a bridge too far and was in a horrible stunt accident where he claims somebody pushed him or even go months even before the filming Gregory Peck's son committed suicide which is very sad mm, but these are two yeah. stories that it's like if you're looking if you're looking for things yeah you can say oh yeah that that's definitely connected to the omen or the IRA thing that's definitely connected to the omen because it was happening at the same time but if it wasn't about the omen if it was a movie about just a rom-com you know or something 
people wouldn't have been looking. Okay, had the same. I want I want a cursed rom com. <laughs> I really the cursed notebook. The story of a cursed rom com. <laughs> Didn't you already get that with the, what was the ad? Little Evil? It was basically oh, like a little comedy. So I, I mean more along the lines of like, I want just like a typical like 27 dresses and then like all of this cursed shit happens. 27 cursed oh, dresses. Oh, that would be low cursed. I would love that. Yeah, <laughs> like all this weird shit starts happening, and like no one connects it to the movie because it's not like it's it's a rom com. But then finally, mm-hmm. someone f- finds the common thread. Corey is gonna write a horror yeah. film called The Belief, and it's gonna be about a rom com <laughs> where no one notices all the <laughs> horrible things happening, and no one believes it because it's a romance movie and everything's fucked. That's brilliant. Oh, actually, I'm jotting that down right now. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's what I have, and just a suggestion that you go check out this really cool documentary series called Cursed Films. Yeah, because uh, most I really want to watch that. That's super. Did you interesting. say it's on Shutter? Oh, it's on Shutter, and they're getting a season Shutter. two soon. They're mostly they're talking. They talk about you know crazy situations on set, and people talk about they're cursed. I really appreciate the documentary. Also goes through and talks to people in real life that worked on the film and they're like, no, it's not cursed. It was just something awful that happened. And so there's a, there's a nice two sides to it instead of just going, Oh yeah. Creepy pasta. It's, it's spooky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's really important too, with like the curse narrative is, you know, it's just so human to want to have reasons for horrible yes. things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which I totally get. I totally understand. Um, we clearly ascribe sure. meaning to everything. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's interesting to hear too that people on the set feel that calling it cursed and trying to put meaning to it is is somewhat of an insult to the families yes. too. Mm-hmm. You know that like mm-hmm. they're like, no, this wasn't some sensational event that they died for a reason because it was cursed. It was a horrible yeah. accident. You know. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, if you had to find a lot of patterns around a specific movie about the devil. The omen has a lot. We are um, pattern making creatures. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's what I got. Haunted movies. So we got a haunted movie. We got some haunted mansion slash stained glass. We got really the craziest, scariest story I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, <laughs> bad thing after yeah, bad thing God. after bad thing. And then we got some cursed artifacts Maybe. from Pompeii. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you decide. <laughs> this was, yeah, I feel like this was just a, a really um, magical, like, amalgam of, <laughs> of different potential Truly. examples of haunted art. I, I think there are probably endless examples out there, so... Email us either at arthistorybabes at gmail.com or happyharvesthorshow at gmail.com. Yeah. Email, email us, us and tell us about any haunted art stories you might have. Haunted artifact. Yeah. And send it to us. Send us, haunted send us all send us your haunted art. art. Put it in the mail. Put it. Put some put haunted in the mail. stamps on um, it and you <laughs> ship that off through your neighborhood <laughs> ghost post. Yeah. If you're in the States, do USPS, support the USPS, and we'll get it in six months. It'll be great. (laughs) Six months. It'll get here, though. It'll get here. (laughs) It'll make it. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
as the facilitator of this collaboration, I hope uh, I hope all of the people on this call are best friends now. That's what I hope from. Oh yeah, no, send no your uh, friendship bracelets <laughs> in the mail. But yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, whatever channel you happen to be listening on, we appreciate. Court is so torn right now. She doesn't know what to say or do. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't done two podcasts. I don't know what to do. How do we get out of here? But happy, happy harvest moon, happy full moon, happy October, mm-hmm. happy haunted art. Yes, and um, yes. We'll- <laughs> What's done is done. 